0: The material discussed and presented in this podcast is for general information only, and any reliance on such material is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Reference to any information, product, process, service, or organization does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by pros. Views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement by pros of them or any entity they represent. Views expressed by PROS employees are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, standards, or policies of PROS or any of its directors, officers, employees, or shareholders.
1: Welcome to Interface, a podcast where we connect technology and culture through conversation. Interface is brought to you by Empower at Pros. Empower is dedicated to attracting, developing, and retaining black talent at Pros. Pros helps people and companies outperform by enabling smarter selling in the digital economy. I'm your host, Jennifer Plummer. I'm here today with Sierra Barnes. Hey, and Matthew couldn't be with us today, uh, but the three of us are the Interface Podcast crew and today our guest is marcus manning chief technology officer at smart financial credit union thank you so much for being with us today
2: thanks for having me
1: all right so uh we like to start out with basically you know your your life story could you share with us how you got into technology was it something you were into as a little kid or you kind of grew into it later in life. Uh, you know. Please share your story.
2: Sure, so it started out, my dad was a computer operator for NASA for 30 years, and he brought us to his job one day, and we went to a vault. I'm like, well, what is this, dad? He's like, well, I can't let you go in there because that's mission control, but I can tell you that this is where I work every day. I said, okay, well, what do you do? He said, well, I programmed the space shuttle. I'm like, wow, my dad has a really, really, really cool job. So I decided, you know, since he won't let me in this ball and let me see me being the curious person that I am, I'll just learn how computers work. So I started putting my first computer together in the garage.
1: How old were you at that point?
2: That was around, I'd say, that was in 16.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. So, and I won't, that was the old 286 models and I won't date myself, but yeah, so I mean, a buddy of mine were in the garage kind of tinkering and uh, we, we built our first computer. So that was something that was really interesting to me. So I went to college, studied computer science, got a degree in computer science. Um, I can tell you that was probably one of the toughest things that I've accomplished because I see, okay, computer science, that really doesn't go together to me. But once I got in and once I started It was like, okay, this is something that's, it's difficult, it's a challenge, but it's something that I was really intrigued with. So got a bachelor's degree in computer science uh, with a math minor, and then I started my career out doing contract work. So I did a little bit of coding. I won't tell you what version, but Visual Basic and C and uh, some C++ with at and then I quickly realized that, you know, hey, I need some some people interaction. I mean, it's good to write code. You know, it, it's good to, you know, produce these nice products. But the people interaction is really what I was looking for. You know, how do I marry the technology and the computer science background with the interaction and the people skills that I have? So, I decided to go down the service delivery route so I went into the network administration Microsoft certified engineering role so as network engineer for about 3 years and then one of my mentors uh, you know hey are you interested in a leadership position now mind you you know not necessarily fresh out of college but you know 3 years or so out of college and I was part of a fraternity in college, you know, shout out to the bros.
1: Um, ah.
2: Yeah, one of those, yeah. Good or bad, take it away. Um, So I was the president of the organization in college. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, I do have some leadership roles, you know, high school, student council, things of that sort. So, um, but managing a team of 35 with three years of experience, it was, again, a challenge, but it was one of those things that I was up for. So that's really how I got into a leadership role. Um, And it just so happened to be another African-American. He gave me an opportunity. And when he gave me that opportunity to lead the team, that's really where my journey started as far as a leader in the IT industry.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So describe for our listeners, you know, what does a chief technology officer do? I know perfectly what what the CTO does, but for our (laughs) listeners... Please explain kind of like maybe not day to day or, you know, in general, what are your responsibilities?
2: Sure. Yeah. And, and and some days, I mean, depending on what fires I have to put out, I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> so, but as far as my responsibilities on paper, I'm responsible for the innovation roadmap for the Smart Financial Credit Union. And I'm also responsible for the IT operations side of the house uh, for Smart Financial as well. So keep the lights on. Infrastructure, data centers, digital experience, mobile experience, as well as the day-to-day operations of keeping the lights on, as I mentioned. Also responsible for the digital roadmap. So as we all know, you know, you, you, you hear digital transformation, you hear crypto, you hear Bitcoin, you hear blockchain, all the nice cool technologies that's out there. Where well, the organization is looking at me, it's like, okay, Marcus, what is that? Do we need it? Do we need to buy it? Is it going to work for us? So that's that's part of my responsibility as well. And then on a DevOps perspective, so we don't have a necessarily a, a development shop, but I am responsible for the hiring of coders when needed, and then also finding partners that are needed in that space as
1: well. It's it's funny you talk about being in the technology industry, but like almost every business right has their digital side, and someone needs to be, you know, driving the goals of that as well, you know, like obviously like IBM or Facebook, it's like, oh, there's a technology come because our product is technology for a bank. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that's a large part of your interaction with your customers at this point is through mobile or your website or, you know, whatever these days.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we're at a point now where we really want to uh, not necessarily be on the bleeding edge, but at least cutting edge, right? Because, you know, it's all about the member. And if the member is not happy, there are so many different other opportunities out there. You know, they'll go across the street, they'll go to Wallet or they'll go to Zelle, they'll go to SoFi, yeah. like, why do we even need a financial institution anymore? There are other technologies that are out there for me. So we need to make sure that we're making that member base happy and be sure that we're providing the tools that they need in order for their member experience to be somewhat pleasant and rapid as well. So, you know, you don't want to spend two hours, you know, old school at a teller line when you could just really go online five minutes and off you go. So, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that digital experience and that innovation piece is extremely important.
1: Yeah, these days I don't even want to go to the, to the drive through ATM. I'm like, this is takes too long like why can't yeah. I just
2: tell people like I don't, I don't I don't want to talk to a teller I just, I just yeah. want to go in and see how much money I have see if I can go buy the nice bag that I saw <laughs> in but yeah that's another conversation so.
1: exactly so so you mentioned um I, I think this is a good point I want to dive into is because I think the perception might be that people in technology don't really have people skills but you actually you know you took a pivot you were like I, I want to take advantage of people skills. Is there more you can share about how your previous experiences you're using today in the role you're in?
2: Absolutely. And that was something that, again, I, I realized early on is that, you know, I do have strong people skills. And in order for technology to be a value to any organization, it has to be appropriately articulated. I mean, if I talk about the bits and the bytes and infrastructure as a service and software as a service, you know, to the average Joe, you know, to the marketing executive, even to the CEO. Like Marcus, I have no idea what you're talking about, but if you, if you have the ability to articulate that in business terms and help the business really connect the dots, then that's when you have that aha moment. Right. So I really figured out that, okay, if I can take, you know, the bits and bytes that I know, and translate it and articulate that to business outcomes. That's really added value to any organization. I mean, it could be the grocery store in Kroger's. If you don't know how to work the kiosk, you can't buy your groceries. Right? Well, I can go behind there and say, you know, Hey, you control, i delete control C and the cashier is going to look at me like Marcus. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, if you go in, if you do the barcode and you scan this and then your payment's mm-hmm. going to come up, that makes more sense to them. So once I got to that point, I found that there was a niche because I've talked to people that on somewhat the cusp of being very, very, very brilliant, but they can't hold a two-minute conversation. And then I've talked to some people that were used car salesmen that know absolutely nothing about technology. So like, okay, there's, there's a niche yeah. that, yeah. that right. I think I could fill. And that's really where I kind of uh, hit my stride, if you will. How do you play that middleman to where you can understand the technology and even deliver on the technology, but you have the ability to articulate and connect the dots and really add that business value and articulate that. So that's that's really where I got the joy out of working with technology.
0: Awesome. I had a quick question. I, I wanna go back a little bit to your college experience and you said Uh-oh. you majored in, <laughs> in computer science and minored in math. Did you find that there were other people of color, specifically black people that you went to school with? How, what what was that experience? Like, were you like the only one or the one of two or three?
2: <laughs> yes. So I would say initially I was the only one. And you know, I, I I don't want to stereotype, but as you guys can imagine, all colors and cultures outside of African Americans I experienced. And I, I I think there, well, I know there's a reason for that. But to answer your question, no, I was I was the only one in a lot of my courses. And as a matter of fact, it's it's interesting because the African-American that I did see in my classes, it was probably my junior year. His name is James Rogers. And if he hears this, he's gonna laugh. He's like, Marks, you still remember that? And that's been <laughs> several, many years ago. I was like, yes, I'm not the only one here. There's somebody else that's going on this journey with me. So no, I, I did not see very many African-Americans. I don't even know. A lot of african americans that have a computer science degree with a math minor and has continued along that path and i know some people that took computer science classes and like okay you know marcus that's not for me or they did get a you know network administration certificate or things of that sort so i am seeing that there has been progress made but when i went through college no i i was the only one in the majority of my classes throughout my my entire stay there
1: did you have a support system being that way that, that, you know, some group that you leaned on. So when you were kind of feeling like the only or that, that kind of every now and then you need a boost, I mean, you know, did you have someone you could reach out to for help?
2: And actually it was, it was, it was my dad at the time, you know, he, he was still alive and I, you know, I even went to talk to the professor, but the professor couldn't necessarily relate to where I was coming from and what I was going through. And I, I can give you, and it's it's like it was yesterday. So, again, I'm I'm dating myself, but I used to have to go to the computer lab because I I didn't have a computer back in those days. You know, some some of the other students did, and a lot of the students that were in my classes they were already working in the Austin area. Some worked for Motorola, others worked for Dell. So they would take classes because their company sent them back. Well, I'm the traditional 18 year old college student, you know wonder where my next meal is going to come from. No, I don't have a computer. So there there were times when I actually had to go to the computer lab at 2 and 3 in the morning just to go and get my outputs. And a lot of my peers that I was socially active with didn't really understand that. I was like, man, it's three o'clock in the morning and you have to go to the computer lab. I'm like, yeah, well, this output is due on Monday morning. and I don't have a computer here in my room. So yes, I don't, I don't have a choice. So luckily those resources was there for me. And that's one of the pieces that was somewhat difficult for me because I didn't have that support system and I didn't have others that could relate to what I was going through. But, you know, it was one of those things, it's it's tough. And, you know, when the when the tough, when the things get tough, the tough get going. So it's one of the things that I look back on and say, hey, I'm glad that I was able to accomplish that based on the circumstances. Didn't make excuses, of course, but, you know, fought through it and, and got to where I am today.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that lends to the whole, you know, there's some journeys that you have to take by yourself. You do. <laughs> there's nobody you going to yeah. be there yeah. to, you know. Push you along, or people won't understand or relate. And it's like, well, this is something that I want to do, so I got to make sure that you know I take care of what needs to be taken care of. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and and it sounds like you you did mention, and we're not going to be publishing the video part, but uh you did indicate that you were part of a historically black fraternity. So I'm assuming, uh, maybe not within your major, somewhere on your university, you had. You know, a community to to spend your extra
0: time. <laughs> what did you What did you really want to say?
2: I did have a, a a strong support system, and you can take the word "strong" how how you want to see it fit. Uh, yes, I did from a social aspect. I did have a strong support community there, not only with with my organization, but because of the demographics of the university that we attended, you know, of course it wasn't an HBCU and the population was probably, if I had to guess, I'd probably say less than 10%. So one thing that I did um, notice is that we did stick together because there were not a lot of us there so we needed to stick together in order right. for us to be successful and it's it's interesting just the way of the world is today i mean things with the social injustice and black lives matters things of that sort the crux of what we were going through at that time is probably magnified a thousand times more today but same similar story right yeah. and if you look back even past my days if we look back in history it almost seems like it's 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 cyclical, right? And it's it's kind of sad, yes. but you know it's 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 where we are, and we're we're going to keep on keeping on. So, but to answer your question, yes, I I did have a very strong support system, and it's funny because my dad always had a saying, son, if you're going to do something, give it one hundred percent said, okay, well, some of the things I kind of, um, I wouldn't say I went overboard, but when I studied, I studied 100%. When I socialized, I
0: socialized. 100%. 100%. Yes. So, yes. So whatever you commit to, go out loud.
1: Well, I mean, and the lesson is there for our listeners that, you know, maybe headed to school and they're very focused on this. And I kind of had the same conversation with my daughter who is in grad school now is, you you know, you need to make time for your studies, and you absolutely need to stress that, but that is definitely going to be a stress, you need to have a social life or some outlet to, um, you know, to stress relief, or, you know, to relax on the weekend, I think at work, we call it what, recharging?
0: Oh, okay, yes, recharge days.
1: Chris calls it recharge days, you know, know, find a way to reset yourself, so, you know you were having a lot of fun but it had a purpose you might not have made it through if you had not had well, this
2: is true yeah that's, that that's like. a good point yep 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 i like to call it boundaries you know just make sure we don't <laughs> go out of bounds either way you don't have to study all the time but you don't have to socialize all the time either so right. let's let's find a happy balance there
0: so i always think it's interesting as black people we always whatever setting whatever setting we're in we always tend to find our tribe i know that at pros we have a group of black ladies who we have our own little zoom chat and we kind of, you know, get together. And if we need to, you know, vent or we want to celebrate somebody it's like you all, we always tend to find a group of people that we can all relate to each other, you know, in a way that no matter how many friends you make, how well you know the other there's just a certain experience that we have that you can't always relate to other people and we tend to find it could be two or three of us and that's your little your little tribe of people is like I, I get where you're coming from I totally understand your experience lean on me if you need to absolutely and it and it's funny I mean sometimes
2: it's intentional but other times it's not right so I was out at a golf tournament here recently and it just so happened that a person I was playing with he was part of and I won't hold him to it but he's part of a different fraternity and it ended up we were riding in the car together and, you know, we were talking and laughing and, you know, hopefully the others didn't get offended. But to your point, here, it's just that I don't know if it's just we kind of gravitate towards each yeah. other or it's like, OK, well, I have, you know, kind of a partner in crime, somebody that I can stand shoulder to shoulder with now. I'm not yeah. out here by myself. Correct. Right. So and again, it wasn't intentional, but. I thought about it after the fact. I'm like, wow, I spent most of my time with him, and on a golf course, that's not very common. It's not
1: very common, yeah. <laughs> well, in our last episode, Sarah's heat check had to do with codifying and 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 kind of putting on that face that you have at work. And I think it's just having a safe space where you can kind of relax just and be exhale, like, okay, yeah, y- y- you know, I'm I'm true. I'm gonna be. M- you're, you're gonna get hundred percent who I am right now because yeah. I need to relax and, and give that to you instead.
2: Absolutely. Of- absolutely. And and I can tell you um, another friend of mine, and I have a lot of stories, which is a good thing. We were talking in my office and she happened to know that I'm an Omega. And she was like, well, Marcus, uh, they're not going to see that gold boots part you are." I <laughs> said, no, they're, they're not. They're, they're not. <laughs> But it was good that I could yeah. have somebody to, because they could tell I was having one of those days. It's good to have somebody that we could laugh yes. about it. We could joke about it. Correct. And I can decompress and then I can go back in the game. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you, so,
1: you get me. You, you get, get me. me. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: So I want to ask you, uh, what is your definition of success? Do you think you've hit that yet? Like when you graduated, you know, college and you were like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, you kind of said you were inspired by NASA and you obviously didn't go that route, but you are a CTO of a, of a, of a bank. Like what is your definition of success? Have you hit that yet?
2: That that's a great question. Um, in my mind, I would say that I have not, but I've, I've always been an achiever. I mean, I always think that there's more, you know, not, not that I'm chasing the dollar, but that there's, there just always seems like that there's more. So when you, you take one step, it's like, okay, well, I've climbed this mountain, but there are higher mountains that are far ahead of me. So, you know, we'll celebrate this one, but we need to hit the trail because there's a bigger mountain to climb. So there's a bigger mountain to climb. So what that looks like, um, I don't know what that next bigger mountain is, but I can tell you that I'm not satisfied. I've I've never been a person that has been satisfied. You know, Yes, I've had a lot of accomplishments and I've been very blessed to have those accomplishments, but I know that there's something else and sometimes it's revealed and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you learn it as you walk that journey or as you're climbing Mm -hmm. this mile, you learn that, okay, there's another mile that's coming, but I need to get this one first. So um, to answer your question, as far as success is concerned, I think it's 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 three things. I think financial success is extremely important, and I think it's one of those things that the African American community has been reluctant to talk about. That I have some ideas why, but I'm not really sure why it's you know a conversation of you know hey let's let's stay away from that because I can tell you a lot of the financial success. I've had so far is because I've listened to other people and it hasn't been African-Americans. And when I have these conversations now with folks in my immediate circle, I'm having that because I want them to know, hey, this is how you get to being financial successful. This is, is, you hone your skills, you make sure that you're marketable, you learn about the stock market, you learn about 401Ks, you learn about IRAs, you learn about money markets. I don't know about you guys, but growing up at the dinner table, those were not the things that we that we we talked about. So I'm trying to break that ceiling, if you will, to start having those conversations with my people, because if you don't know better, you don't do
0: better. better.
2: So to me, that's that's kind of one of the the, the key pillars of success. Um, The second part of that is I think your morals and your values need to marry your profession. And a lot of people wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but I think who you are at home is who you should be at work, is who you should be in your community. I don't think that we should have to paint a picture. I have to be careful with my words, but I don't think we should have to put a mask on when we go to work. I don't think we should hide the real us. Of course, you know, we don't want to be, the person that's fitting the stereotype that right. people have of African Americans, of course. I mean, we know that we can get a little loud and we can get a little. Um, let me see. What about darted Call it that day. Passionate. That's another yeah. one. Passionate. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, when you get passionate, you get. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so you know those stereotypes that are put on us. We want to make sure that we, you know, try to steer away from those, but also bring your true authentic self and bringing your true authentic self with you everywhere that you go including in the workplace and then i think the third piece of that is i am a big person of having a peace of mind because a lot of times if you don't have a peace of mind then you can't be the most productive person that you can be now what that means for you may be something different from what it means for me Sometimes a peace of mind to me is just kind of getting away. You know, hey, Marcus, we're going to lunch today. Well, no, you guys go ahead. I'm going to go to lunch by myself today. Nothing, nothing, nothing against the group. Marcus just wants to be Marcus and just kind of, you know, regroup, decompress and have a peace of mind. So I, I think that's what success really looks like.
0: I totally agree with all those. Marcus, are you an introvert? Would you consider yourself an introvert?
2: That's a great question. And it's interesting because I I've taken you know the Myers Briggs and the DISC profile and every one of them I fall either directly in the middle ah. or I'm short on the extrovert side and heavy on the introvert side. So I would say it depends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think Jenny and I both identify as introverts and people around us don't believe us when we yeah. tell them yeah. that.
2: Like, No, yeah. no way. I'm like, well, it just, it just depends. It,
0: yeah. I'm very much a, uh, I, I need my downtime to recharge. There's a, a lot of noise, a lot going on if it's chaotic. I mean, even from my family and my husband understands. He's like, "Okay, my Mama needs a, She needs a <laughs> minute." I'm like, if I can, if I could just have 20 minutes, I just need to bring it down, and then I can, you know, rejoin the conversation. Um, yeah. I think that it, recognizing those things about yourself is definitely a part of being successful because you can be pulled in a million. Different, you know, directions, and being able to say, you know, what I think, I just need to take a minute for my own well-being. That's really important.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: That kind of goes into you talk about. You mentioned Myers Briggs. Have you done any formal like executive coaching to this point, or would you recommend those sorts of things to help you with your interactions with you know the other leaders at your company or your peers?
2: Yeah, here I haven't, but we did have, um, it was part of Gallup and we (laughs) did have uh, personalized executive coaches when I was with TDCU. So I spent about five years with an executive coach. And uh, I I would say that that was a very beneficial five years for me because there are some things that are identified that we aren't necessarily aware of. Sierra, you mentioned self-awareness, but I also think others perception of you is important not that not that you're trying to change who you are but you need to know especially at the executive level you need to know what message you're sending and you need to know how that message is being received and the only way you can know that is is, is through feedback so that coaching and interaction with my peers was a good tool for me to use that feedback to understand that you know hey this communication loop is not just one way. It, it needs to be a sender and a receiver, and then also too. I mean, I I have a, a theory that we learned about balconies and basements as well, right? So basically, what that means is when you're at your absolute pinnacle, when you're when you're hitting your groove, if you will, what are those balconies where hey, I'm in my zone and I'm I'm just I'm I'm, I'm knocking it out of the park. Well, we also have some basements as well, right? And a lot of times we try or not try to ignore them, but those are things that we don't necessarily want to entertain because nobody really wants to hear the bad side. Mm -hmm. I mean, none of us are perfect, right? So when those things are brought to your attention, you know, hey, Marcus, you could have done this a little better, or hey, Marcus, in the meeting, you came across a little brash, or, you know, hey, Marcus, in the meeting, you know, you mentioned this and you were very passionate about it, you know, so it's good to know that. Not that it would change any behavior, but it's at least, good to know and have that awareness
0: how do you um i don't want to say react because that's not how do you manage through those basement you know i don't know what to call them we'll call it situations. yeah yeah yeah.
2: And, and and i can tell and um i'll just be honest and transparent because that's just how i am there are some people that you deal with you know that we're gonna go to that basement area just because it's this person. <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I'm just being honest.
0: It sounds like Jenny uh, definitely identifies with this.
2: Yeah, so hopefully, I love I won't get trouble, that you acknowledge
1: that because yes. I think everyone wants to be professional, right? And so you're like, well, professional means you know, and maybe you're always thinking the balcony. I'm always striving to be the balcony, but based on that statement and based on some of my experiences, sometimes, you know,
0: absolutely. All right.
1: We've, we've, we've got to dip into this because, you know, whatever my goal is or whatever their goal is for us to work together, we've and to
0: kind of compromise. (laughs) Yes. I identify with that. It's just, you know, certain people or certain situations, you know, and we're kind of dealing with this now, Jenny and I, um, on a particular project, but you know, you try really hard to be um, cordial. You try really hard to, you know, be a team player. And then sometimes it just gets to the point of, okay, th- here, this is kind of what it is. And you're just going to have to deal with, we can deal with it after I say the thing. And then we'll just take it from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. sorry. Sorry. I, I interrupted <laughs> with all my laughing, but yeah, I was like, no, no. Okay. No, no,
2: I, I think we all go through it and sometimes people try to sweep it under the rug as if it doesn't exist or it's not there. And I'm a big fan of, let's call it what it is and let's tackle it head on. So if there's a difficult person that i know back to your questions here that I know I'm going to have to deal with today, I have to mentally prepare myself. Like, yes. okay, I, I, before I even walk in the room, I know where this is going. So, I have to be extra cautious on some of the things I say, and how I say them. And it gets to a point where I have a goal in mind. What is our goal when we leave this room? Right. And if it's to, you know, achieve a project deadline, once that's done, that I'm done. There, there's no small talk. Right. Hey, how the kid. None of that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not sugarcoat it. Let's, let's take off that mask. Let's not play games. We came here to make a decision. The decision was made. Enjoy your day. Right. I'm going to enjoy my day. So so when I have those basement moments, I I, I try to be as, as short as I can and to the point. And you know, with all due respect and professionalism, of course, but right. the uh the small talk and the chitter chatter that's no, that's, that's not what we're here to do. And we're, yeah. You
1: know, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm like a first lane manager. And one of the, one of the lessons that I knew, I was like, I have to work on this is I would want to fill up that empty space. Like if you would say something kind of awkward or like, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're giving someone some feedback about, you know, their performance or you're asking someone to do something they clearly don't want to do. At first, like, I, I, I'd kind of bring it in, like, you know, as an example, your performance, you know, your performance was bad. And then they just stare at you and, and I would be like, okay, well, you know, I try to fill it in. And I was like, no, no, no. You have to let them sit with that empty space to let let them know, like, I'm telling you this for a reason. And and so, yeah, I guess that just never goes away. So. Yeah.
2: It's, 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 it's the awkward silence. Right. Yeah, And, 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 and it's funny because. Again, I told you guys I have a lot of stories. So, and if my mom hears this, she's gonna kill me. But my mom <laughs> is like the worst when it comes to awkward silence. She will try to find conversations. So, how's the weather? It's fine, mom. How was your day? It was good. So, how was the weather? It's the weather is still it's still fine. Yeah. <laughs> Two minutes later, it's still fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. But some
2: people are uncomfortable with that. I was so yes. uncomfortable
1: and I would just be like, okay, well, yeah, on to the next thing, blah, blah, blah. But you did, you know, I'd, and I, and you'd undercut the message with, okay, well that was bad, but I really like right. this thing you did, but that, that wasn't the point. The goal of the conversation was to be like, no, we, we need to talk about this issue. So
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got
1: to stay on task. Yep. So what advice would you give to up and comers who, um, want to get into technology, maybe want to be a future CTO?
2: I would say, number one, stick to the course, because, you know, as I mentioned early on, it's, it's, it's not an easy path, not, not at all. I mean, you guys are close to that circle and you guys, you know, are in the IT space as well. You have to consistently learn. So you, if, if, if you think that, you know, hey, I'm an accountant, I learned accounting practices in 1985, I'll do this until the rest of my <laughs> career is over, that, that's not going to happen. So you have to be a, a constant learner and you have to be able to adapt to change as well. I mean, we, we see change in our world every day and some people are comfortable with change and others are not. So I would say, you know, stay resilient, stay the course, be adaptable to change. And one other thing that I didn't get this piece of advice, but I learned it is try to understand your business as much as possible. When I was with the airline, Gordon Bethune was the CEO at the time, and he said that his his brother wanted to run a watch company. And the first thing he asked him was, was, do you know how a watch works? He was like, well, no. It's like, well, how are you going to run a watch company if you don't know how a watch works? So, you know, how are you going to provide solid technical solutions to a business that you don't know how it operates? So I would say try to learn the business. Not that you have to be an expert but try to learn the business as, as much as you can. And then another piece of advice is uh, it's interesting, it's kind of our resounding theme, there's find that support system. You know, if, if, if there's a Marcus out there that you can call and say, you know, hey Marcus, what was your journey? Or these are some of the things that I'm going up against. What advice do you have? I would say, try to find some type of peer group and they're, they're much more prevalent today than they were when I came out of school. So there, there's more opportunities that are there, which is great but I'd definitely say find find that support system as well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It definitely makes things makes things easier. Or like, like we said before, ha- have your village that you can go kind of yeah. um, reach out to for advice or just to even vent about, hey, I was frustrated about this thing. Okay, so there's been a lot of talk in the industry today about diversity and inclusion and the amount of uh, representation in companies. And I think- everyone pretty much agrees that there should be more rep- representation. But my question is what action, what should people actually be doing to get us there? Do you have any opinions on that?
2: I do, I do. So prior to leaving uh, TDCU, I was part of the de Council. I was actually an officer on the de and Council. And um, we, we had these type of conversations. And it's interesting now because the CEO of TDECU is an African American. Um, he just got appointed maybe six or seven months ago, and he and I would have conversations. And one of our board members—it's interesting—out of twelve, fifteen board members, you only have one African American. Speaking of DNI, so anyway, we we would have those type of conversations, and the advice—or not necessarily the advice, but. I think action is the key word. And you mentioned it, Jennifer, I think action is the key word because, you know, we can give you, I can give you numbers. I can give you statistics until the cows come home. Right. I mean, we can put analytics around it. We can put machine learning around it. Hey, we predict in, you know, year 2025, there'll be 5%. I get all of that, but what are we doing today? And, you know, some of the conversations that we've had, I haven't had a lot here, but in my previous roles, Marcus walks in the boardroom and I look around and Marcus is the only one there. And it's been like that for years, not just something that happened yesterday. Or Marcus walks in the boardroom and there is another person across the table. Then we don't see him anymore for six months, but another person of African-American doesn't show up across the table. It's uh, someone else that has Mm -hmm. filled that role or, or taken that seat. So when you talk about equity you know, if we lose one, then I would think we should add one, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's my opinion, but you know, maybe somebody has some fuzzy math and they <laughs> add things differently than what I do. Maybe they do, but I, I think um, taking action and really putting metrics around what you're gonna, what you say you're gonna do, and what did you actually do, just like you know, we have our year end goals. Let's make DNI a year end goal. You know, yes. You know, we have projections, we have forecasts. You know, we're trying to meet a certain amount of numbers. We're trying to make sure that you know our retention rate is at this particular amount. We're trying to make sure our assets are growing at this particular amount. Well, what about our DNI committee? What about how how many African Americans do we have in this particular role, or how many do we want? You know, and a lot of times it's just conversation. Well. You put metrics and goals around everything else you want to accomplish. Right? Why can't we put metrics and goals around end? So that was that was one of the things that we really talked about, and I think we're making progress, not as quickly as I'd like to see it, but I do think that we are making progress in pockets. So to answer your question, I think putting metrics around that and measuring it just like you do the rest of your KPIs for the organization, I think that needs to be part of that as well.
1: A second
2: to that is, I think there needs to be mentor mentee programs formal. I mean, I I know that, you know, in some of my social circles, I may have a mentee, or I may have someone that, you know, hey, Marcus, my son is going through school, he's having a tough time, true story. And, you know, computer science may not be for him. And so we know, tell me, give me a call, because I've I've been in his shoes, I've been down that path, and and it's going to pay off. But you need to persevere. So in my outer circles, I think that that exists, but in the workplace, you know, if somebody, you guys probably experience more than I do. You know, we don't have a program. If I have somebody that comes in fresh out of college to where, okay, hey Marcus, you're gonna be assigned his mentor, or hey, you know, your first 90 days, you need to identify somebody in the organization that's gonna mentor you. And I'd like to see that more of a, a formal structured program as opposed to, you know, oh, hey, by the way, you know, we have a junior programmer coming in. He came from an HBCU, Marcus, can you go? So it's like, okay, here we go with this. Mm-hmm. Inclusion and right. thing again, right? You know, Marcus, you're one, he's one. Can <laughs> y'all
0: <laughs> you should know each other? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, you don't know this? No.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, r- regardless of whether it's African American or not, I I think that there needs to be some type of mentor, preferably, but if not, at least some type of structured program in place. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think this all goes back to the conversation of just be intentional, I, I understand it's, it's such a hot topic and you know, like I get it, but I think for us who are the black employees and who have seen, you know, this mass exodus, you know, of of black people or just not being able to see enough of us that look like us around, it's like, yeah, this is a hot topic, but what are you actually doing? Even if I come and bring you a suggestion you decide whether or not you want to take that, you know, that advice and do anything about it. So then now I feel deflated. I feel like, you know, my voice, you know, isn't heard. My, va- my opinion isn't valued and then it just repeats this cycle. And I just want leaders to take ownership of this and be intentional, just be Absolutely. intentional about what you're doing.
2: Absolutely. And I, I I think it takes courage too, especially being, uh, an African-American executive, um, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, and I've seen it happen before, you're so accustomed to getting in line and so accustomed to doing what's expected of me, well, you should have expectations of yourself as well. And again, this is Marcus's personal
0: opinion. That's a great point.
2: I've always been the one that, you know, God has blessed me to be a blessing. And, you know, even though I'm a trailblazer, I need to look back and it's, it's, it's a quote that we had in my social organization um lifting as we climb right so as 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 i climb i'm looking back and seeing who else i can i can pull up with me because we're all walking down this 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 same journey or this same road
0: i love that that's very very true yeah
1: totally agree and things like um it, i mean sarah you mentioned that the great resignation and we also talked about introverts versus extroverts and i think a, a mentorship program, right? I think that would, you know, obviously benefit everybody. Like, I think everyone, and I think extra, you know, I'm not an extrovert, but I'm assuming extroverts just going up to people and just asking advice all the time, you know, and it's a little harder for, for us people that don't like to reach out so much to find someone to connect with and having that structure so that everyone gets a chance and builds up that confidence. And the re- the reason why people don't think Sierra and I are, introverts is because we've kind of just keep putting our through experience in other ways. We're like, okay, well, this is how we circumvent that. And now yeah. we're kind of feel comfortable in those situations, but it took a while to get there. Yeah. And, and uh, a mentorship program would help that and just really help, you know, as a as a as a development manager, I can see something that tends to happen is the person that's really good at solving a particular set of problems, just kind of, they keep giving the ball to that person, right? Keep fixing this, keep fixing this. And it could be because of time or whatever but there's other people out there that are capable of doing it it's just that they don't feel as comfortable kind of you know putting their hand up or getting there and so through mentorship or or someone recognizing or having that conversation with them like hey this is how you know i know you're interested you know they can talk about their goals or where they want to see themselves in five years based on that you know you need to get more involved in things so you know how do you kind of slowly even conversations like talk to your manager about what you want to do some people you know, yeah. Sometimes in one on ones, people are mentioning things to me and they're like, Yeah, I don't even under How did this person do that? Well, I was like, Well, first thing they did was they talked to their manager and then the yeah. manager yeah. helped them. So, you know, people take that for granted, especially when you've, you've been in, you know, you've got several years of experience. You're like, yeah, of course, everybody knows that. But no, not, if you're a yeah. fr- you know, you're if right. you're someone whose family isn't in this industry or you're, you know, they don't, they, you know, they're not in technology or they're not in careers that, have this kind of ladder or you're, you're, you know, you're fresh out of school. These are things you don't know. Like, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't, I was pretty dumb when I came out of school. (laughs) It took me a while to figure out a lot of stuff. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. And I I think, I I think that's a very important point. One other thing that I would recommend is, is is volunteer for projects and volunteer for things outside of your normal scope. And a lot of times people don't know that, right? Because, We come in and I can speak myself, okay, this is my job description. This is what's expected of me. I'm gonna knock it out of the park and I'm gonna just stay in my box and do this all day, every day. I'm gonna do great at it, but that's what I'm gonna do because that's what's expected of me. And I'd say probably midway through my career, I didn't really realize that, hey, it's okay to start asking questions. It's okay to start Looking around and seeing what's going on around you as opposed to coming in, put your head down, you know, with your blinders on, doing a job to the best of your ability and then going home. So I think if you have kind of that that horizontal view of what's going on around you, I think that helps as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People think. um, Yeah. Because I was kind of heads down. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. But when I got the confidence to start being like, why are we doing this like this or shouldn't we do it? That's really when people are like, oh, well, yeah, you got opinions, okay. Let's yes. Why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And then I saw, you know, my career start to kind of yeah. Grow. And I think
2: that's that's really where you start showing the value that you have, and I think right. that that's where the leadership skills come in at as well, because you, you're you're not afraid to you know somewhat disturb the apple cart. If there's a better way of doing it, hey, Jen, by all means, tell us. You know, let's do it. That's that's what we're looking for. That's how we got to where we are today. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think of people on my team or people I've worked with in the past, you know, it's like, oh, why is this person always complaining? And they're Like, you know what? They do know what they're talking about. So let me listen to them or let's try things their way. And then, yeah, obviously the team, you know, grows and gets better because of those things.
2: Yeah. And I can tell you, too, back to the kind of the, the de i conversation, I think that it's very challenging for us to educate anyone that's not African-American especially in the workplace, because there are some things that we have gone through that I can explain it to, we're blue in the face, and some people, either they won't get it, or they will pretend like they don't get it, or they'll just flat out say, okay, that can't be true. Well, I'm, awesome. I'm not making this up. I mean, if, if, if you're willing to listen and truly listen with the filters that you have on, if you could lower those. And I think it's it's, it's deep rooted, right? Because yeah. a lot of times you're a product of your environment. And if people who aren't African-American don't interact with African-Americans, all they do is see stereotypes and they watch YouTube videos and make TikTok videos and, oh, this is what they must be like. All right. That's, that's a challenge for me. Uh, Especially having those type of conversations in the workplace, because people already come to the table with a preconceived notion of how you're supposed to be,
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: when you show them something differently, then you're the exception as opposed to the norm.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is
2: how we are. There are plenty of us. Us. yeah. Yeah, it's not just me. Right. It's not just Sierra. It's not just there. are Plenty of us. You just don't give us the opportunity. Right. And but, you're yeah. not willing to have those conversations. So that's that's one of the things we talked about, you know, satisfaction. That's one of the things that I'm trying to break that ceiling now. And it's not just a numbers thing. And it's not just an equity thing. I think there are some things that's so systemic and so deep rooted, it's going to have to take those tough conversation. Now if I get fired, I'm going to call you guys and see if you can get a job. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm I'm going to keep trying to, trying to break that barrier.
1: And that was really yeah, that's that was kind of where the idea for the podcast came as well. I was like there's a lot of Black people in technology, but no one's really think you know because the answer always is, "Well, we can't find the people in technology. It's too hard to find them." So I was I'm like, not,
2: "I'm not buying I'm, that one." I'm,
1: I'm gonna have like, some. I'm gonna
2: find I some. <laughs> I know exactly where they are.
1: <laughs> yeah. So just and and normalize, right? We know, right? Oh, yes. But um, normalizing to to America. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: That this is no different than anything else. Like, you're always going to think of athletes and musicians, but no, this is. Just, we do tech too. We do accounting. We, we do, do everything. everything.
2: I told you I have another story for you. So, we're in a meeting. True story. Here it is. I'll show it to you. A guy comes with me. He's like, hey, Marcus, is that a Super Bowl ring? I said, no, it's not a Super Bowl ring. It's a computer science degree ring. Oh, wow. But I mean, it, I don't I don't think again, back to that, you know, systemic, I don't want to call it racism, but systemic way of thinking.
0: Yes.
1: So um, it's kind of like an unconscious bias that comes out, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So he
2: he saw nothing wrong with asking me that question. And yep. several people will probably see nothing wrong with, with asking me that question. Another guy told me, you know, hey Marcus, you kind of dressed like Tiger Woods today. Yeah,
0: no, really? No. Yeah. So some
2: of these boardroom conversations that I've had, and it's one of those where, okay, I hear you. <laughs> I'm not going to address it right now. We were talking <laughs> about those balconies earlier. I'm not going to address it right now, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have a conversation after this one. Though. You know,
0: it's such a hard burden to bear also because I remember when, you know, the um, the unfortunate death of George Floyd, and there was all of these conversations that companies were having with their employees about how they're feeling. And I felt like, and I know a couple of friends of mine who, one, they were even in a workplace where their leaders were letting them openly talk about it. Right. The burden of having to either recount your experience or trying to educate someone or having to tell people like, when you say this, this is how it makes me feel. It's like that constant, and I'm just like, I am exhausted. I want yeah. you to go and find an article to go read about this, or go find a book or something. I cannot also live the experience and then also have to carry the burden of educating you about my experience. Also, absolutely, it's is such a, and I don't think I'm ready for that level. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Marcus, I will get there one day, but right now I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's. It's tough. I mean, those sort of things always take me by su- surprise. Um, and I actually did a, a presentation for Grace Hopper or a workshop where it was like, you just need to be prepared at some point in your professional career. Someone's going to say something really inappropriate to you and you just need to practice beforehand what you say. So that, because yeah. it could just throw you off. Right. Cause you're like, I'm in this meeting and they just said something completely out of left. field. Now I can't even, I'm thinking about that instead of thinking about what's in the meeting. So just preparing yourself for that. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I, I and again, I don't want to, you know, inundate you guys with stories, but these are the things that stick in my mind. And some of these stories happened, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I remember when Obama was elected. We were in a meeting. I it seemed like it was yesterday. And this guy was pretty high up in the organization. He said, Well, Marcus, we don't have any chocolate donuts today for Mr. Obama. He said this in a meeting and oh my um, god and, and i yeah and i i do come in my my supervisor at the time and if he's listening to this he knows exactly what i'm talking about he came to my office after that meeting he said are you okay i said that- I, i'm okay but i want to know what are you going to do about it because i'm going to do something about it if you don't <laughs> yeah. and he said, no 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 let me let me take care let me take care <laughs> so um I don't know what they did to take care of it. But the guy came back to my office and, you know, he apologized. It wasn't sincere. I can see it in the eyes. I wanted to tell him to get out of my office. But, you know, I just told him, thank you for coming by. And the CIO at the time came by my office, you know, hey, Marcus, I heard about what happened. You know, that's that's unacceptable. And, you know, if there's anything you want to do legally, I said, well, no, I, I don't I don't think that's necessary at this point. But you know, it, it did make me feel good that at least my supervisor
0: right.
2: had my back and then my supervisor supervisor, which was the CIO. Yeah. He, you know, and, and maybe they didn't have my back, but at least they addressed it. It wasn't one of those yes. to where we're just gonna ignore that comment, act like it didn't happen and you know, off we go. Right. So
1: Yeah, and that that's a good to to mention allyship too, because since we since we I think before George Floyd People weren't talking about this as openly, right? Yeah, right. Yes. And so, if something like that ha- had happened at work, I might not necessarily go to my manager and say, "Hey, you know, right. d- this happened to me, and I don't think it's right. I don't think I would have done that." So, the fact that this is kind of more of an open conversation now, yes. And you know, based on what I'm hearing, you know, you know, this is not accepted, and I feel like there would be some sort—I don't know what the process would be—but you know, like you said, someone's going to go talk to someone about it and do something that that is the benefit and just knowing you know you know where people stand on that and 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 i don't think i would have ever gone to a manager about something like that before you know less two summers ago yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely just another another thing that we carry on our back we just and then move on you know with your day and try to act like it didn't bother you
2: yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, again, I think that support system is very important and me not having a lot of African Americans, you know, around me to have those conversations because I couldn't have that conversation with anybody right. else at the time because they they wouldn't have understood. Even if my supervisor didn't understand, I wouldn't have had the ability to make him understand. Yes, I could articulate what just happened here, but what I'm feeling right now, there's no way I can explain yeah. that to you because you 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 won't get it.
1: Yeah. Any more questions here, or should we move on to the heat check? Heat check. <laughs> we're gonna
0: get air horns. Heat check.
1: Okay, so Heat Check is where we share something in the news or something that we were involved in or experienced that is exciting us in technology or culture. So Marcus, do you have anything you'd like to share with us?
2: I have some projects that we're working on, but no, we're not going to go there. Um, (laughs) One thing that I am proud of is that I do commend you guys for having these type of activities, forums, podcasts, because I I think it helps. It helps me. And I think it's going to help others as well, especially the people who are listening. They're going to know that, hey, I'm not the only one that's going through this type of ordeal. So commend you guys for that.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. And as far as any publications are concerned, uh, Let's just say not yet. I, I have a couple of things that, that, that are in the woodworks, and uh, you guys will probably hear something soon, but not, nothing yet as far as publication. Oh, come on. We
0: can't get like a first. Come on. Look, can we get a sneak peek? Heard it here first on the Interface or, podcast. If you want to...
2: You... <laughs> Y'all <are> going to get <laughs> in trouble. You know that. Right?
1: <laughs> you can let us know, and we will definitely... We'll put that in our heat check for the the following yeah. episode as soon as we find out.
0: Okay, absolutely, we can okay. do that. We'll keep we'll keep you out of trouble
2: for now. <laughs> yes. keep, keep me out of trouble. I don't. I, don't I, I I do a good job of getting myself in trouble. So yeah, I don't, we don't want to get, get, get in trouble. You in trouble.
1: <laughs> Sierra. You have one for today. Or you want me to go next?
0: I I'm happy to share. Um, so mine is very culture, and it's not even technically black culture. But I'm very excited. Don't shoot me. But Adele is back. Okay. I, as black people, we can appreciate good music. And my uh, girl is I'm back. I'm still appreciating Bruno Mars and Anderson Pax. That wow. too. <laughs> oh, my God. Her, her, she had like a one night only thing on CBS. I went out and bought an antenna for my TV so that I could tune in to CBS to watch her. And I told my family. I am non-existent for the next two hours because Adele- Did it already come on? Back. It came on last night. It was last night. I saw oh, I, I of the
2: interview. It was, it was good. I, it, I'm not a big fan like Sierra, but I, it, it was good. The pieces that I saw, it was pretty good.
0: I mean, the voice and just her story from her divorce and how she's, you know, managing the co-parenting and all of that. I was just like, thank you, girl. Thank you. I'm so glad you're back. So that is my, that's my yeah. little random heat check for today i'm excited i'm waiting for the album to drop <laughs> and,
2: I, and i know it was about her but i mean do you guys understand how just magnificent oprah is i mean did did you <laughs> <yeah. laughs> it's probably interesting coming from me but just her personality her interviewing skills just her everything she's just yeah she's out of oprah sight oprah
0: is one of those people that just Just looking at the span of her career and how she has taken every lesson that she's learned and just capitalized on that. And and not just even from the financial perspective, but how she's been able to help people have certain conversations, her interview style. It seems like every interview now that she's, everybody says, you're trying to make me cry. That's like (laughs) her, that's like her key thing. But yeah, she's. She is. her show on a regular basis. I just rather
1: I just rather watch I just rather watch YouTube content on the Marvel universe. <laughs> that's, that's just me. We, that's the kind of nerd I We get I am. you. We yeah. get Hundred percent respect to Oprah. I yeah. would definitely faint if I ever made, met her in her. She's person, a legend but, for yes, sure. Exactly. She is. We should have ended on yours. <laughs> Mine is um. We talked about a, a few weeks ago about. The cost of computing, and, and you know it's actually you know the energy hog it is. Well, I found an article on the New Stack written by David Castle, which is which programming languages use the least electricity, and they have like mm. statistics where they um, they just they ran the same benchmarks against multiple languages to see which ones consume the most energy, which ones finished in the least amount of time, and which use the most data. So. C and c plus plus and Ada pretty much rust are all pretty good. Java's doing pretty good, and uh, i i wrote notes on this. I did it again. <laughs> it just made some pretty uh good points about um procedural languages versus interpreted languages and how how they perform on this. so
0: who's the energy hog? Pearl, Pearl Pearl is last on
1: the list. Python's not doing very well either. It's it's looking Hmm. bad. So, um, pretty interesting. And so, and you might need to write if, depending on the architecture of whatever you're writing and where it's going to be, that might be a consideration about you know, know, how much money I'm going to spend on electricity or you know, performance is the obvious one, right? we're always concerned about that. So that one I was kind of least interested, because you, you kind of already know. But um, I never had seen a list of, this is consuming this many jewels. I haven't even heard anyone mention a jewel. In a, in a whole uh, yeah, time I haven't years. heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's been a long time, wow. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I don't even know really what one jewel means, but C consumed one jewel while Pearl consumed 79.58 jewels on this set of, benchmarks that they ran, in so it's pretty cool wow.
2: okay so i i do have one now that you guys have shared yours so um <laughs> do you guys have any bitcoin as part of your portfolio not no yet. Not, mm-hmm. not yet not yet not yet
0: we just actually a few episodes back we had a guest on who were telling us about cryptocurrency and yeah we bitcoin.
1: thought we were going to talk about cloud computing and he was like no correct I want to talk about
0: Bitcoin. And, we were, and like, okay. we were all like leaned in like, yes, tell us more, tell us more.
2: So we we were in our board meeting and one of our board members, he's like, okay, Marcus. So we want you to give a presentation on blockchain in our next board meeting. Like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> not
1: <laughs> not. <laughs> How much time to the next board meeting?
2: It's in December. So okay. I, I, I still have some time. Yeah, IBM yeah. has a, a pretty good uh, blockchain solution that they're using. So mm-hmm. but it's, okay. it's it's just interesting at this point in time. So, and like I said, I mean, blockchain didn't exist five years ago. So we got to be on the con- continuous learning curve. iPhones didn't exist tw- 20 years ago, right? It's
1: crazy. So. Yeah. And, and then you talk about so, and what policies need to be updated based on, that's my, my thing. It's like when, when you start being, a, you know, on the, the verge, right, of new technology, but all of our processes and legislators kind of based on things that we're, we were doing 50 years ago.
2: Yeah. Then and you're that's like, kind of oh, where we are technology. now. So, I mean, because as you guys can imagine, financial institutions are highly, highly regulated. There's, mm-hmm. there's really not a whole lot of regulation around cryptocurrency right. right now. So, I mean, it's like everybody's doing what they want to do, how they want to do it and people are making a lot of money off of it so
0: is that yeah. sort of a um is there a trepidation with going into these new technologies for someone like a financial institution where again everything is very regulated we've had the same regulations for a while very few updates is that sort of like tread lightly even though they're interested
2: and it is i, I think that's a great way of putting it as i mentioned earlier we're not bleeding edge i would say we're somewhat Cutting edge, but those are some of the hurdles that we have, because we have what's called examiners and they actually come in um, from the state, as well as from the uh, National Credit Union Association so there there are compliance rules that we have to abide by in order right. to operate. Right. And if we're not, then they can come in and shut us down. So if we come to them and say, you know, Hey, yeah, we have Bitcoin, ATMs in our branches and they're probably going to fall. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> Again, getting yourself in trouble. Exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I told you I'd do a good job of that. Is that really,
0: I've seen those Bitcoin
1: ATMs, like in the local gas station. I'm like, who is going, are people really going to an ATM for Bitcoin?
2: Yes. People are paying wow. for supplies and goods and services with Bitcoins. There was a congressman, I think, in New York, said that he wants his paycheck in Bitcoin. In Bitcoin. I don't know if it's true or not, but I uh, read that article. Wow. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: Ooh. I have a funny story about Donnie Simpson. Do you remember Donnie Simpson, the, the radio host?
2: Yes. B-E-T, Donnie Simpson.
1: Get, hello? <laughs> so,
2: okay, we're good. well, good. all I'm, I'm not showing my age.
1: <laughs> this is... How old was I? Maybe I was 25. Anyway, he had a contest on the radio where he was giving away maybe a computer or something. So he was like, oh, since this is based on a computer. It's, I'm not going to do the 10th caller. I'm just going to, you know, whoever calls in and tells me the first five prime numbers... I'm gonna give it away, to. Well, person called in, and I think that one of the first five prime like I don't even know anymore. But I think I think they said one, which one is not a prime number.
0: And and Donnie says it was like, yeah, you get the computer. (laughs) Where is your answer key, Donnie? (laughs) That was not it. (laughs) It
1: was a morning show, so I was on my way to work, and like I was like, I was like, he gave. This computer to someone that doesn't even know the prime numbers. So, and this is like, oh God, this is probably like t- year 2000, maybe 2000. Oh, wow. Somehow I found his email address, which everyone didn't have email address. You couldn't just go to their social media and just put it. Yeah. I found his email address or the email address of the show, and I typed here. sometimes i get these moves and i'm like oh, i'm gonna tell this person <laughs> and also, like, i really appreciate that you're supporting students you know and i and i'm not by any means saying you need to take this man's prize away but we value basketball players and and actors and artists and we don't treat people in technology the same or you know scholars the same way. That answer was wrong.
0: <laughs> Classic Jenny Plummer. I love it. I and love to know that, that this is who you've always been. I didn't
1: hear the next morning's morning show, but apparently he did read the letter. No way. Oh, wow. So it was like, did you send Because I think he just used my first name. He's like, did you send Donnie Simpson an email? I was like, yes.
0: That is hilarious. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yes. Beautiful. I'm that kind of nerd. I'm yeah, that kind of, of All right. Do you have any more stories, Marcus?
2: No, I think that's, that's it for today.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. How can people reach you if they want to get in contact?
2: So my LinkedIn, um, Marcus Manning, you can search me there. Um, not a big social media person for, I mean... I wouldn't say obvious reasons, but me being on the technology side and on the security side, I just kind of have to be careful. So LinkedIn would probably probably be the best way.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you to our listeners for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at interfacepodcast@pros.com. If I got anything wrong you want to... <laughs> You know, <laughs> the same way I her Donnie, Donnie Simpson. You got <laughs> If you don't like <laughs> something I said, you can email interface podcast at pros.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, we encourage you to go out and find someone to talk to and have your own conversation.
0: Bye.